Rapid Elementary Season 2, Episode 2, Wrong Delivery, and Episode 3, Story Samurai is over. But we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. It's me, Chappelle, Mr. C. I'm back, and I'm far from corny. At least I think I am. Uh, and I am so happy to be back to talk about this second and third episode of Abbott Elementary and our second Abbott Elementary podcast. And with me, back again, my co-host, the least corny person that I know, the amazingly talented Gia Worthy. Gia, what's up? Waiting for Gia! Oh! <laughs> it's the podcast host of your dreams! Oh my god, <laughs> Chappelle, I am so sorry. The boombox wasn't on, so like, the song didn't make sense. I'm sorry. Like, can we re-record? I'll try again. I'll come back in. Yeah, you you could come back in. Wait, I could do the background. Boom, 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 boom. Waiting for G. Boom, boom, I assume you can auto tune that, right? I assume we have that technology. Yeah, maybe I take back what I said about us not being corny, huh? I've been practicing that song all day to make sure that I got the points right. The main points were made. Yes, points yeah. were made. And Gia, Gia, I have to ask, what did you think about the episode? I mean, we we are only doing these every two weeks, so we have two mm-hmm. episodes to talk about. Which was your favorite? What were your highlights? Talk to me before we get into, like, the real recap. I loved these episodes for multiple reasons. The second one, honestly, I think is my favorite Abbott Elementary episode so far. The entire cast was present. Everyone was bringing it. Everyone had a strong role throughout the episode. So I was a huge fan of episode two in particular. The second one I feel like is really starting to expand on some of the storylines that we got introduced to in the premiere and also expanding on the Abbott Elementary cinematic universe a bit as now we have a new new, uh, character in the fabulous app. Ashley Garcia. Uh, I don't know if this is a recurring role or if this is something similar to Mr. Johnson, where she's kind of preparing for a a main spot. But oh my god, it was great. Ashley Garcia, you will always be famous. I am obsessed with her now. Not Ava's obsessed quite yet, but you know <laughs> she hasn't has her own Shark Tank episode. But you know, but I am very excited about this, and I'm particularly excited to talk about episode two because I just thought that was so flawless. Yeah, it was so, 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 so funny. It almost makes me want to skip episode um, uh, two and go straight to episode three at that point. Like, I... Episode three was everything. I agree with you. It's probably my favorite episode so far. Um, But we do have a lot to talk about in episode two as well. So let's just jump around a little bit. You ready? Yes, I'm so ready. All right, cool. In uh, episode two, Wrong Delivery, we do find out very early on that Ava wants a thick person to play Spider-Man, like 50 Cent, you know, Uh, and that Barbara thinks that most white celebrities are black. I heard Carrie Underwood or... Kerry Washington, I mean, Millie Bobby Brown or Bobby Brown. And then uh, no one has done more for black actors than Tommy Lee Jones. Gia, why, what, is, what is going on with Barbara? Barbara's just a little confused. And I get it. There's a lot of pop culture out there. Uh, I love a Brian Austin Green movie as much as the, as the next gal, or should I say uh, Brian Tyree Jones? <laughs> Tyree <Yeah>. Henry. <laughs> Tyree Henry. Whatever. Yeah. There's all see, see? I also am getting confused. But I was living this is is this our best cold open so far? I think so. I think so I, for real. Yeah. yeah. 
And this is exactly what I'm talking about with this episode where like everyone in the cast is involved because they're all in on this joke about Barbara getting the white celebrities confused with black ones and they all have a little part in it and that's really a reflection of like what we are getting with the rest of the episode and also we're finally getting mr johnson in a main character slot as one of our shark tank judges as he deserves there is no one i trust more with my business and with funding my business as i would mr johnson let's be honest (laughs) <laughs> yes, we do have to get to the shark tank of it all. Um, basically, this episode is um, characterized by the fact that the old AC is barely working. They have last year's calendar blocking the wall because there's a big hole in the wall. And the school is just filthy. They plan on using the grant money for cleaning surpri- supplies, but there's just so much that they need to do. Um, and so eventually they end up having a shark tank, uh, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. They also have like this big stack of social studies books that are like more recent. I mean, these social studies books have Brexit in it, the Flint water crisis, and Hamilton. So you know this is like... 2020, you know, um, to social studies books. But the books are for the charter school down the road, Addington Elementary or Addington Charter School, I should say. And everyone seems pretty open-minded to the idea that there's this big school down the street. It's probably got really nice stuff, except Janine. Janine is not feeling it. She does not want to admit that she is impressed by the things over there. And she says that Addington has nothing on Abbott. Gio, what do you think about Janine's stance in this episode? Oh, oh, Janine. Now, listen. Abbott Elementary has character, and I would argue that we have not seen enough of Addington Elementary to determine whether or not they are up to par with the Abbott Elementary that we have seen so far. Uh, They got, yes, they have a young Mr. Johnson. They may have that. They may have painted the school walls, but they also hired a teacher that once kicked a child. So is it really that great? She's just She's one bad day away from snapping again. And then that's going to be a whole mess. I, it's, it's a, I, I'm sorry. It's a ghetto hiring process. Like, cancel it. <laughs> what is it? I, I, and as someone, I said before, I went to a charter school for high school. And we had that same hiring process, like those same type of background checks. So I would not be surprised if any of my former high school teachers had once kicked a child. Hello, uh, Pioneer Valley Performing Arts. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, the teacher who they hired was uh, the teacher that Gregory replaced after she kicked a student. But she's been going to therapy, Gia. So, you know, maybe she's turned over a new leaf. Um, but yeah, you're right. This school has color on the wall. The ceilings are smooth. They don't have asbestos. And they don't. then they have AC. Um, so it's not a lot on the surface that's wrong with Addington. But you're right. Abbott has character and Janine is going to make sure that we remember that Um, because she's might be a tad threatened by Addington's nice appearance on the outside. Um, But Ava has to remind her that uh, Abbott is a real public school. Um, So Janine's, I guess her attempts to make Abbott a little bit nicer by painting the walls aren't always welcome in the public school system. Um, I think the decor is set by the Department of Education, Animal Shelters, and Traffic. So there are very strict rules here when it comes to beautifying Abbott. Um, And so Janine is not taking that well. Um, Even the kids, though, Gia, are impressed with Addington. They say they have a computer lab and you can Google stuff. Also, I want to know that poor girl, why does she going to Abbott Elementary and her brother gets to go to the nice school across the street? Like, did they draw straws? 
Right. Like only one can go. Only one kid can make it. It's like the Hunger Games or something like yeah. that. They have to do a fight for the death to the, see who can go to the good school. Yeah, I did peep that. Maybe maybe it's like a half brother or a step brother. Maybe you know what I'm saying? Like somebody from the other side of town. Family. I guess she didn't. Yeah, I guess she didn't. She didn't fully explain her family situation to let us know. But I felt a little bad for her in that moment. It was just like, damn, that was that's kind of rough. Yeah, she would like to Google stuff. You know, she won a computer lab with computers with an S. Computers and Google. They mm-hmm. they paid for the Google function because those computers, like, they make you pay for every little app on there. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, the kids at Abbott just need to be uplifted. Um, so Janine's idea is to turn the school library into a computer lab with, of course, computers with an S. Um, but, unfortunately... Abbott cannot afford computers with an S. They don't even have a librarian in the computer lab. Um, So now we have the teachers kind of arguing over who should get the grant money or what they should use the excess grant money for. And that's when Ava comes up with our idea for a shark take. Uh, Gia, did you like this decision by Ava? I'm obsessed with it. I think all major school decisions would should be made by a shark tank board. Truly, as someone that works in a college and like this is obviously my professional opinion, I would enjoy all my major money making decisions more if I got to decide which students got to spend money based on their pitch. And I could just build my own little panel of Shark Tank judges. Yeah, that sounds like a dope idea. You know, if you have people just come up and line in front of you and say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. And then you can hear it out. You have your judges, you have Mr. Johnson, you have little Courtney, baby Ava um, on your panel as well. And then you can make the best decision for the school. But Gia, before we get into our shock take uh, like panel, let's just take a brief break so people can listen to a word from our sponsors. And then we'll be right back. And we're back. So uh, Gia, we have our Shark Tank panel here, okay? So we have Mr. Johnson in his uh, lead role we've been waiting for. We have Ava, who, of course, is going to be the head judge of the Shark Tank. And then we have Courtney, who Ava describes as a young version of her. What did you think about Courtney? I can't think of a better student representative to be in the Shark Tank pool. Is there really someone that is going to be better for this role? Like, do you, can you see Hilliam? being a shark tank judge i i let i would be entertained but i don't think he has the full qualifications to the same level that courtney pierce does so bravo on the casting in ava's part and also i just don't see any of the other teachers really fulfilling the role quite as well as courtney like they have they have their biases they have their opinions we need that student representative so honestly innovating thinking on ava's part yeah, she calls Courtney the younger version of her, but Courtney responds that you're the old, I don't think of you as the old version of me. And I'm like, she kind of got a little Ava in her, you know, like Ava, Ava calls it. Yeah, yeah, that's baby Ava. I, I like yep. her. I think we should get more Courtney moving forward. What about you? I agree. I think she should really be the, you know, be the little protege for Ava. I know she tried to do it with the, the little smart kid in season one but that they just weren't at the same level i think ava needs someone with a little uh a little spice to her a little kickback and courtney fills that role quite well yeah i agree uh we end up seeing presentations from the lunch lady shanae uh some woman who ava has never uh, taken the time to learn their name um and uh mr johnson amongst other people which of the pitches stood out to you the most 
So while I feel like Mr. Johnson did have the most flair to it, you know, who doesn't want their janitor to be the James Bond of cleaning? I would say the pitch that would probably convince me the most, even though it doesn't have the flair, was uh, Shanae. I think that, you know, she made some very good points. I think hairnets are important, uh, increasing the food situation at school. You know, we had a couple episodes already about the lunch situation and everything that they go through at Abbott Elementary. So, and what boosts morale better than food? Right. All she wants mm-hmm. is hairnets, cutlery, and other like cooking supplies. And that should be a no-brainer. But Abbott has so many problems. I mean, the fact that they have to like set aside grant money for cleaning supplies is just, you know, it's a little abhorrent. I don't really like that um, because I would like these kids to have what they need, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think like lunch is kind of the overseen aspect of or the overlooked aspect, I should say, of the school experience. But also, Chappelle, do people usually request on Shark Tank all of the grant money that they could put? Like, that seems a little greedy. I don't I don't know how much grant money they have left, but, like, couldn't some of you ask for, like, 25 50%? Like, this thing, I feel like they're reaching for the moon a little bit here. Yeah, Mr. Johnson definitely pitches for 100% of the grant money. And then Janine backdoors, and she decides that she wants 100% of the grant money, too, uh, to grant the kids a brighter future. Um, And so she's pitching that you bring in a computer, the gateway uh, to education or the gateway of the future, I guess she calls it. She has graphs. She has T-shirts. She's doing a lot. And I believe Gregory told her to kind of keep it limited, a little straightforward, but that's not really Janine's brand. Janine's brand is extra, and that's exactly what she's doing in her pitch to you. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like with, you know, students are on their phones all day anyways. Like, is a computer really the most necessary thing at Abbott Elementary? Like, y'all can't Google things on your phones? What luxuries are these desktop computers you ask of? I don't have one. Right, um... What about when Ava had that computer, like, uh, following her around? You remember when? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ava <laughs> Ava 1, Ava 2. Yeah. Where yeah. Ava 1 and Ava 2 can't Google? I don't. I assume they can. Like, Ava can do everything. Surely they can Google. Yeah. Okay. I, I bet. Uh, I, I don't know. There's While I am obsessed with this episode, there are a few. Uh, what are the, what is that called when you do, like, the continuity errors? Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a couple uh, plot holes in this and you know but I still loved it you know I love a good plot holes like don't explain anything to me don't it doesn't have to make sense it's funny I'm with it we move forward Right. And overall, the 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 overarching theme of these uh, presentations is that Janine ends up saying it like we're not just as good as any charter school. We're better, you know. And so she's trying to let them know that Abbott could do great things for these kids because you want to make the kids feel good. And she thinks the computer is going to be what does that. And luckily for her and much to Ava's chagrin. Um, she wins. She wins the presentation. She's the shark. Uh, well, she impresses the sharks. Ava was, um, I guess, outvoted two to one. So I don't know who Ava voted for. <laughs> also, also a plot hole in this. You cannot tell me Mr. Johnson did not vote for himself. Right. Maybe I he wasn't banned from voting for himself. What do you think? I don't know. I feel like they wouldn't think into it that deep, especially if Ava has a chance to slight Janine. Like, you really think she's going to take that chance away from them? No, nah, she's going to put her foot down. She's yeah. definitely going to like uh, make sure that Janine gets all the bullying that she can, you know, that Ava yeah. can muster up. Just um, let her know how badly she failed at her pitch. 
Exactly. But before Janine can celebrate, there's a disruption from the cafeteria. There's a whole herd of mice, Gia, running amok. And honestly, at this point, they can have the school because I would be dropping out on that day. That would be my last day of elementary school. I'm sorry. Like, no, that's okay. We don't we don't need a school. Just take the Mm -mm. grant money that we have and we can just start our own little community outside. It's not needed. Exactly. All those mice. So apparently this is from and I missed this the first time that I did it. But the the uh, ghetto. What was it? Um, (laughs) Ghetto charter school. Yeah. Addington Elementary decided to humanely capture mice and release them. So once they did so, the mice themselves just ran to a different school, a better school, I would say, and brought it to decided that Abbott Elementary was going to be their new home. Uh, it, It makes for quite a mess. And honestly, I feel like Addington should have paid for some damages to this because what were they thinking? And also like, I don't know that just it seems like they were that was their fault and they never really like paid for their crimes right you heard it here first it's a it's a very ghetto 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 charting school you know like mm-hmm. uh what are you what are you doing releasing mice into the community you know and the mice the mice have good taste you know they go directly to a better school like you said they go to abbott and we can't blame them for that but i still that would have been my last day at school my last day of work i'm sorry i will not be sharing my space with the mice i would have the mice would leave addington and then i would go apply there yeah. i'm sorry at that point i cannot work here anymore yeah you know like you know what's underrated homeschool mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. let's try yeah. that let's try no, okay. <laughs> remember when we all went to school from home remember when we all worked from home that was nice there was mm-hmm. Like a hundred percent less mice there. Exactly. Hopefully, mm-hmm. at least you know. I don't want to speak on everybody's situation. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's a bit of that's a big assumption for me, at least. I can't relate to all of you, but for me, humble brag, there were no mice in my work from home situation, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, um, I know. Just flaunting so- my wealth to everyone. <laughs> Did you oh, pe- wait? I gotta ask because this was like my favorite background moment. Did you peep the lunch man that was like doing the little Japanese video game fighter pose in the background no. where he was like he was looked like he was ready to like actually like punch the mice, but he was like doing that thing where they like go back and forth, but he like mm-hmm. he doesn't change the motion that he's doing. He literally just is like looks like he is like in the choose your fighter pro- pose and like prepared yeah. to strike when a moment strike when a moment comes and he even does like the little fake out punch where it's like uh uh and then <laughs> it was watch back just for that moment it was so funny i had to rewind to rewatch it because it that was one of the underrated moments that cracked me up I can't lie. Every time I watch that scene, I get distracted by the lunch lady with the tongs trying to pick up the mice. Oh, yeah. It's just whew, the way I'm quitting my job that day and I'm never eating in this vicinity, the vicinity yeah. of this school ever again. Um, but due to the mouse problem, it's clear that they will not be using the grant money on the computer lab. Melissa has to cut a deal with a rat guy and the kids don't need to feel special as much as they need cleaning supplies and a, a, a clean home. You know, um, but with the rain, remaining money, Ava is able to come to the rescue, and I know you were proud of your girl, Ava, because she decides to use less than $350 on water ice for the kids. And baby Ava, Courtney, lets the dweebs at Addington know that their computer lab just doesn't measure up to what we have at Abbott Elementary. So, Gia, look at Ava coming through. Just as I knew she would. And let's be honest, the water ice was an underrated pitch. Courtney was all over the water ice. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was they- also trying to request 100% of the funds, just assuming that Abbott Elementary was just giving out money. Right. But look, closed mouths don't get fed. He went in there, pitched for 100%, and he ended up getting $350, you know, and getting to help these kids out. So who's the real winner here, right? That is true. I really hope we get more of the lunch crew in future episodes because they were killing it this episode. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And especially because we have to know their names now. So uh, yes. give us more lunch crew. And there's a few other characters I'd like to see uh, return from this episode. Well, these two episodes. And we'll get into that in just a second. Um, the students finally feel special. And this is good news for Janine because that's all she ever wanted. Right. She she also finds out uh, from Jacob that Gregory needs to feel special right now due to his breakup with Taylor. So we haven't really talked about it, but, you know, uh, things are not great between Jacob and Taylor throughout this episode. Taylor being Barbara's daughter, um, it seems like Jacob is trying to figure out a way to dump Taylor or at least to, I don't know, to, to figure out how to manage his relationship with her while also working with Barbara. Things are getting a little awkward. And he turns to uh, Jacob, I'm sorry, um, Gregory turns to Jacob and asks him, you know, what should I do? How am I supposed to handle this? And Jacob suggests that he tries petering out. And that's basically like soft ghosting. Um, so what he's going to suggest is that he just starts to text a little bit less to start to respond a little bit slower. And then eventually he can ghost because the connection won't be there anymore. But he finds out from Barbara on accident that it is he who has been petered. Uh, Taylor has already started that process. She is breaking up with him. And now he is devastated. Um, Gia, what did you think about this storyline? Oh, my God. I mean, there was a lot going on. It almost feels like, correct me if I'm wrong or if you feel differently, but it almost felt like this happened too fast. Like, we didn't really hear a lot about Gregory and Taylor's relationship in the premiere. They seemed to be okay, like, not great, but not terrible in the season finale of season one. And then we get um, autumn immediately to the soft breakup storyline. So I feel like I would have liked maybe a couple more episodes where we see either a little more of Taylor in particular, or we get a little more hints about kind of where this is going. But I did enjoy the fact that one that Taylor and Gregory are just currently not a thing anymore. And also, I just enjoyed the fact that it was the storyline was addressing this idea of like a soft breakup. And well, that's certainly never happened to me ever. Uh, you know, that it, maybe <laughs> it's not the best tactic because it, the problem with doing a soft breakup is that not everyone is going to understand the hints that are being dropped. Mm-hmm. It, you yeah. might have to explain to someone that they're being dumped after a while. You know, everybody's not as receptive yeah. to that kind of stuff. Um, but Janine does look out for Gregory in this moment. She wants to make him feel special. So she goes and buys him a water ice. And Gia, this is platonic, right? 100% not flirting. Absolutely no Jim and Pam here. Uh, I, I would say it's her really trying to look out for Gregory in a rough time but also I think that water ice was free because so like she wasn't like girl you weren't spending any of your own money come on now uh that hardly counts as a romantic gesture personally but mm-hmm. I don't know really what to think of it they had a couple moments in episode three as well where they it was kind of like are they flirting is this happening it's only episode three of season two like this is you know slow down you guys when's the wedding 
Right. Um, you make a good point though. They really yada yada the Taylor and Jacob, I'm sorry, the Taylor and Gregory relationship. Um a lot you know we don't really get much of it and so it's like they're kind of trying to rush it to maybe mm-hmm. get to the janine and gregory storyline um but we talked about this last time i wouldn't be mad if we saw janine possibly date someone else first or you know maybe you know explore the dating pool a little bit more and then of course gregory mentioned you know you don't always you know what is it you don't shit where you eat um yeah. maybe <laughs> having a in workplace relationship is not the best move for this couple um but that is soon to be found out i'm sure in uh upcoming episodes uh but to end this episode i do want to talk about one other aspect uh melissa mrs machinti uh shiminti i'm sorry i messed her name all the way up i was trying to say melissa shiminti and it just came out mrs Shiminti. um <laughs> But she runs into a blonde Italian woman and has a stare down with her at Addington. Yes. It's awkward. Melissa like she rushes everybody off without any explanation. And then eventually she confronts the woman outside of Abbott when they have the water ice. This is her sister. Now, what did you think about the reveal of a new character who I hope personally we see a lot more of? There's no way we aren't going to explore this this sister storyline. And since we know that Leslie Odom Jr. is going to be part of the charter school storyline, I'm sure we're going to see more of this Abbott-Addington rivalry that I'm very excited to see how they explore that. But if you remember in season one, Melissa did have a offhand comment about how uh, you, it's really hard to forgive your blackmailer. And yeah, you know what? Does she miss her sister every day? So this is not just her sister, but her former extortionist. So, <laughs> you know, a bit of extra back layers to this drama here. And I, I, I had an f- inkling that she knew who this person was. It was like, because the interaction when they first run into each other at Addington was just too intense. It's like, damn, Melissa, you haven't seen another Italian woman before. Like they're everywhere. (laughs) Come on now. Like, it's not that scary. And she just had this very intense look and was immediately like, yeah, we need to go. I remembered the sister comment. So it was a little bit in the back of my head, but I, I just assumed it was like some type of connection between the two characters beyond like this is addington melissa mm-hmm. yeah i at first i thought it was just she just found her doppelganger and stared her down you know like you can't the mm-hmm. only one can survive again you know uh one of those yeah. things like yeah, evil me versus the the good me um and of course i'm rooting for melissa right but uh, to find out that this is her sister I'm like Let's get into the whole family. I want to see all the things that have to do with Melissa and this story with her sister, because I know it's crazy. We have to have the Addington crew, or I'm sorry, not the, ew, Addington. We have to have the Abbott Elementary crew crew come to a Shamenti family reunion at some point, right? Yes. That's oh got to be a side storyline. Got to, got to. And that would be amazing. But that pretty much wraps up all of the first episode that we're going to talk about. Is there mm-hmm. anything else you wanted to touch on from that episode? Uh, more episodes where Ava makes all of the primary decisions. That's my takeaway from it. Uh, I do, it goes, also plays into this idea that like, yeah, some of the ways that they better the school in quotes is that they find these unconventional ways to really uplift the students. And it is something that they also explored in episode one about, or season one about how, 
you know, they can't, it's not always about what you don't have. It's about uplifting students with what you do have. So I really enjoy these times where we get to see the Abbott crew really find a way to make lemons out of lemonade and to work with the resources that they have around them, the level of creativity that goes into working in education, which often has very, very limited funding. So it's just a very nice bright spot that we are continuing these themes throughout the second season as well. And I'm excited to see more of that. Yeah, well said. I don't think I could say it any better than that. Uh, so with that, we're going to take another break and then we're going to come back and talk about uh, episode three of season two. And we're back. So Gia, this episode is called Story Samurai. And immediately I was thinking, oh God, what's about to happen? Like, I, Something about that title had me, like my eyebrow was raised. I was kind of on the edge thinking this could be bad. Um, and Listen. it was amazing. What did you think? Listen, between uh, Great British Bake Off doing Mexican Week and Abbott Elementary having an episode called Story Samurai, I was in a very very permanent state of cringe all of this week. I was very worried. And while I have a little more faith in Quinta than I do in the UK, personally, I just am, uh, I, I was a little worried at first, but it, they did what needed to be done with episode three. I loved this storyline. I have some questions, but Overall, it was very good, and it was nice to have Jacob have a little bit of his time in the spotlight as well in a way I do sort of respect and that I expected from his story or like who we know him as a character, but also seeing the students' reactions to him a little more was also very nice. Yeah, um, man, I can't believe you brought up Bake Off because that story, I mean, these people with these sombreros, Oh, come on, British people. I need oh you to do God. a little bit better. I need you just, just come on. It just, it didn't need to happen. It really didn't. There's like so many other themes that you could do. Like what happened to Biscuit Week? Where, where <laughs> is Biscuit Week? Stick to what you know. They could have done a Ted Lasso Week. It's like literally included. We need to have a podcast just on exploring Great British Bake Off again, because like that, I love it. And also kind of hate myself for being so invested in it. Yeah, the episode was a little problematic, but if nothing else, it was corny. It was a very corny thing to do, and we get a lot into corniness in this episode. Um, we started- Are we talking about Abbott Elementary now or Great British Bake Off? The corniness of both, yes. actually. So, um, um, Bake Off, I don't think, knew that they were being corny. I think in Abbott, that was the whole point. Yes. So, so we'll talk about uh, Mr. C and his corniness. I think that's the main plot line here. Um, we get a little bit about Janine not being able to find her shawl. Um, it's missing. And the number one suspect, Gia, your girl Ava, for a split second, it looked like she was the one who did it. But it was Mr. Johnson who stole the scarf. How did you feel about this gross mischaracterization of Ava? It is completely, completely irresponsible of them, I will say. And I use that. It's a strong word to describe the Abbott Elementary crew, but it is correct. Now, it is irresponsible and negligent of them to assume that Ava would steal something of Janine, specifically clothing. She would never. Let us be real. The facts are there. The evidence is there. It would never happen. Now, Mr. Johnson, on the other hand, that man has no shame and he does love functional faction. So that is the prime suspect right from the beginning. And it looks like he was wearing that scarf all day. So it worked. And 
if they aren't going to enforce a five-day policy, I don't know what to tell Janine. Like, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, mm -hmm. I was laughing so hard at that because, I mean, was, points were made. <laughs> there were a couple moments in this episode where I literally paused to laugh out loud. Like, literally laugh out loud. Not just, like, me texting you on my phone like, LOL, this was so funny. Yeah, this was great. This was great. Uh, one of the storylines we have here is the teachers all seem overwhelmed by the amount of work they have to do. Um, we've seen this a little bit moving forward, you know, in the teacher planning day where Gregory had his his uh, whiteboard with all his plans and his, his charts and the pictures of all the students. Very creepy. But also it seems like it's necessary because they have so much in front of them this se uh, this season or this school year. Um he can't even present to all his students because some of them are coming to class a little bit more often. Ever since they uh, what, established a nose picking for, uh, <laughs> policy, an anti-nose picking policy, I guess the kids are well. They're not sick as much. And so they're in class and Gregory cannot handle the workload. Barbara has resulted, resulted in having like Lego day just to give herself a time to catch up on her notes and her, her lesson plans. And Melissa is dealing with the two grade level teaching that uh, we were talking about in episode one. Uh, so she has second and third graders simultaneously in her classroom. Uh, the only thing she has aside from that is her huge coffee mugs that says keep calm and Tucci on. Um, so she's in a blender throughout this episode. We see ups and downs as she tries to manage this workload. But it's really sad, honestly, that this is a realistic um, situation for many students in, in the United States uh, where they're in classrooms that are just too big and they don't get the one-on-one -on -one, uh, education that they probably would like or small group education that they would like. But it's also hard on the teachers um, because we see that uh, you know, there are various lessons going on throughout, uh, you know, in the same classroom. We have second graders learning how to uh, tell time and then third graders who already know how to tell time just being forced to do busy work, it seems. So what do you think about Melissa and her struggles throughout this episode? I'm honestly so impressed about how she was able to divide up the classroom, even though the students did not respect the line. Rude. But yeah, it was really putting things into perspective. Like we knew that this was going to happen and it was likely going to be explored more in depth at some point. But really seeing how drained Melissa is and really everyone is so early into the year. Uh, this was the perfect time to introduce the story samurais. And also it just seems like, you know, we're, we're really getting to the core about what Abbott Elementary is about, which is the struggle of working in an underfunded school system and also still trying to make it through the requirements you have as a teacher. And it's not easy. Even a revered teacher like Ms. Shimenti is going to have her problems. Sometimes we all have to punch a wizard cardboard cutout. Listen, it happens. <laughs> I've had I've had a couple moments recently you know why do students need you all the time like every second of the day really mm -hmm. it's like so take a, yeah just grab a snack and chill out for a bit like right take a walk yeah and you would be proud of your girl ava you said you wanted her making more decisions she sees that melissa is struggling and she offers her an mm -hmm. aid and that's where kind of at the end of the episode we get of uh, the reveal of our new character ashley garcia from frankfurt now i know you're a big ashley garcia fan gia tell us about it oh my god i'm obsessed with ashley i just learned so i'm not a huge curb your enthusiasm watcher uh not anything against the show i just am 
having to watch so many things that I just don't have time to watch everything. But I saw in the Twitter comments that a lot of people recognized her from a role in Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I hear that it's very similar to what we can ex- what we can assume that we will be expecting from Ashley Garcia. And so uh, eventually Melissa does cave in and realizes the fact that she does need some help. Uh, and maybe a little bit uh, due to Barbara kind of encouraging her that she doesn't need help, even though what she was, she was just trying to encourage her that she does, you know, that she, she is a good capable teacher, but we end the episode. This is one of the last things that we see that Melissa finally gets her teacher's aid and she arrives very quickly. And this almost seems like the, anti-Melissa, I would say. Like, she's very perky, very enthusiastic, which seems very excited and unusually energetic to be uh, helping with an overcrowded classroom. And Melissa doesn't really seem to know what to do with Ashley. I can assume shenanigans will be had in the next couple episodes as she navigates having to share the classroom with the help that she requested. Oh, yeah. This is going to be funny because Ashley is a personality in her own right. And Melissa's been doing things the way she's been doing them for a while. And so with the two of them in one classroom with two different grade levels, I know it's going to get crazy. And I'm very excited to see it moving forward. Uh, but, yeah, look at Ava again. She Look, they didn't give her a lot of credit in season one, but she's making moves in these uh, these two mm-hmm. episodes in season three. She knows what she's doing. And I will stand by that. Gregory, he was not ready. He was not ready to be. Ava levels of prepared, and I stand by that fact. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gregory's doing fine as in his role as a teacher, but he does need a break. Um, so he is going to be utilizing the sto- the samurai that are coming to the school um, as a, a way to get a break. So. Uh, Jacob is very, very excited about this. He is an alum of the Story Samurai, and he knows that this is going to be a great performance. But it just seems like everybody is laughing at him and not with him. I mean, the teachers are excited about it because they're going to get a break, but Jacob seems legitimately happy about the fact that they're about to start putting on uh, such riveting performances for these kids. Gia, what did you think about just the concept of this? So you know how we had like those very corny dare sessions come to school and they're like, don't do drugs, don't do this, don't do that. And then they're almost like, but what if I did try drugs just so Mm -hmm. I don't end up like these people. That is what, that is the reflection that I got. I was like, but are drugs really that bad? They are bad guys. Like don't do drugs. But like, that is the thought process of a child, like going into one of these. Uh, It's, it was uh, like the anti-smoking seminars Mm -hmm. that they make you go to, or like the crack is whack ones. Like, those are that is what I thought of with this. It's very uh, mean girls don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die and die uh, yeah, and die. And it's just and I know that's not specifically the point of story samurai is to be like a message of warning. But you can see like as they get suggestions, they try to turn it into social issues, which is a very weird thing from a group that calls themselves story samurais. And none of them are Japanese as far as I can tell. But that's a that's a whole other issue, but it it seems to be exactly what I expect from like probably poorly planned, but they may try to make up for it in enthusiasm. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Even just calling them the story samurai, we could talk about it a little bit. Um, it lacks some self-awareness. And I think that is the story of these corny people. And, uh, and I put corny in quotation marks because they're corny because it seems like they haven't realized that certain things aren't for them. Uh, Jacob, mm -hmm. we know, is trying to connect with the students. So he has been try like, trying to loosen up a little bit. And this is his wheelhouse, you know, this performance part. Mm -hmm. He's done it before. But the issue is that Jacob just says certain things that doesn't sound the same coming from, you know, this uh, young white gentleman from outside of town, you know, to these inner city kids. Uh, so when he's saying things like uh, this is not some whack puppet show, it's really cool. Like me, you know, it's like, Jacob, I don't think that's your like if you're talking about your strengths, I don't think coolness is really what we're going to look for. Um, when we're thinking of samurai, I don't think this group of people is what we're looking for. So I think that's a big part of the storyline as well, Gia. Yeah, and you actually said, like, the perfect phrasing for it when you were explaining the story, Samurai. It's really, like, the lack of self-awareness. Now, we know, we and we've talked about it several times, that Jacob is very well-meaning. He wants the best for his students and for his colleagues. He's a very, like, kind, well-meaning individual. But it there is this lack of self-awareness in, like, contextualizing himself and in the environment that he is working at and like say <laughs> calling Janine an African-American and she's just like just say black like please say black. just say black it's yes okay. it's fine and a couple things that are you know that we see throughout the episode you cannot tell me this man has not been called corny like since he has come in Philly he's been there for at least two or three years and you're telling me no one has ever called him corny before like this has definitely happened and it's just that lack of self-awareness and that lack of being able to accept like what his role is in Abbott Elementary and in uh, Philadelphia in general. Also with the fact that just because he's corny and we all know, sorry, spoiler guys, but Jacob is very corny that he can still have a positive impact. We see the students, we see Clarence talking about how, yeah, you know what? Like, yes, we call him Mr. C because he is corny, but we like his class. It's fun. We liked the movie he showed us. This is, you know, this is just part of who he is. We have a corny teacher, but we, we do enjoy the classes that we have with him. Yeah. And it seems like the person who is most against Jacob being exploited for his corniness is Janine, who is also corny. Wakes up corny, goes to bed corny. She is corny at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, but I just feel like it's mean spirited to, to let him go up on stage so we can all laugh at him. But Janine, they laugh at you too. They When you show up with your poster board and your computer, because it's the gateway to the future, you, th that's corny too. So I think she was maybe projecting a little bit. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to get laughed at. So maybe he doesn't want to get laughed at. But she was really hell bent on keeping this performance from happening. I am so happy that she failed. We are all happy that she failed. Ava, in particular, is very happy that she failed. Barbara's very happy that she failed. I think Melissa uh, got her laughs in, as her much-needed laughs in. And uh, Josh Gad, apparently, also very glad <laughs> that Janine failed in this endeavor. It, it does bring up a point that she did discuss in the episode, is that Janine knows she's corny and can accept it. How much she can accept it is yet to be seen but there was that lack of self-awareness in how Jacob doesn't seem to realize that he's corny and that he's not going to be accepted as anything other than corny if this is the career path that he is choosing 
Yeah, and even with this career path, the cor- one of the corniest things about him is that he is kind of slid into that white savior role, that trope from all these movies. Janine calls him out and says, "You're you're no, you know you're not the person from Dangerous Minds. You're mm-hmm. not uh, you know you, this is not uh, the Blind Side. You know you don't have to come in and relate to these inner city kids by speaking their language and and teaching them how to do things with your own white spin on it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's fine. Like you can just be you. Um, a large part of him is just corny, and uh, they're gonna have to come to." terms with that because when i saw this performance jacob never changed this man what gia this was tony the tiger being discriminated against while his dad thinks he's a bum for not being able to get a job when all he wants to do is teach about racial discrimination through the sale of cereal yes When Gregory whispers over to Janine, did they, are they using cereal mascots to explain racial discrimination? She's like, yes. Yes, they are. Yes. It's just, release the unedited cut, please. I want to see, I want to see the Malcolm X games, please. No, no. These stripes are the bars of a prison cell. I was like, wait a minute. You got to stop. You have to stop. But also keep going because this is hilarious. Oh, please. Like, no, please. I need to see. I need to see how this ends, please. I can't believe I didn't wear a red handkerchief today. I am so ill prepared. Yeah. Thanks, fam. You were supposed to show up with that. See, Jacob, that's what I'm talking about. Fam, Kendrick Lamar on vinyl. It's OK to be a white guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's like you can have those things, but also you don't have to talk about them. It doesn't make you yeah. any cooler. You say that, you know, it just be you. And we'll all love you for it because the students were happy to see him and his corniness on stage. They enjoy it. Guess what? Kids like corniness. I'm sorry. They just do. Yeah. That's why when Gregory is doing his TikTok dances in the first season, the kids started to open up to him a little bit more. And so mm-hmm. this is just a no- another level of being able to turn on your corniness when it suits you, you know, when it helps the students. And Jacob knows that that's one of his strengths is just being able to make the kids laugh and happy, uh, but just kind of outside of the classroom, maybe t- Tone it down just a little bit. Yeah. And I do enjoy the fact that they aren't going down this road of like the white savory complex that happens with Jacob. Like, I don't think we're ever going to have Jacob be like truly accepted as like one of one of us type moment with Abbott Elementary crew, because there is that difference of he's not from Philadelphia. He's white. He's a white teacher in an all black school or a you know majority black school I should say he he has a different background so he is going to stick out and he is going to be different and yeah his demeanor does not help him in that situation but that isn't bad and he he shouldn't be striving to be just like everyone else or to be like fit in as the same way that like maybe Gregory can fit in And I'm happy that we're getting that with Jacob and we can see the moments of like how he can make a difference without being the white saver, without being Hillary Swank in the Freedom or the Freedom Writers Club. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, And that movie has been done so many times. It's just like, you know, we we have a group of black people from the inner city. We bring in a white person and then all their problems go away. And I think Mm -hmm. in a a little bit of uh, Jacob might think that that's him. He thinks that that's his role. And I need him to release himself from that. Like he know he knows that, you know, Sandra Bullock in the blind side is true is too far. But Mm -hmm. he also kind of wants to have that same impact that. You know, like just a little bit in like a smaller way, in a less dramatic way, but he still kind of wants that. Yeah. And so, Gia, yes or no? Are you watching The Color Urkel? 
Uh, I, after the Malcolm X games, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I, I need these shorts, like, released as, like, bonus scenes or something. Like, I really hope they do eventually spend, a, you know, some time to record these because I desperately need to see it. Yeah, it's... I I screamed when Melissa started laughing. I was done. Yeah. She was hollering, and I was just like tears coming out of my eyes, laughing because I just was not expecting it to take such a turn. Um, but it goes really well. The students give them like a, basically a standing ovation, and everyone's really happy to just let um, Jacob be himself, you know, mm-hmm. and to embrace his corniness when it's suitable for the kids. Um, but when they talk about it in the hallway. And we find out that there was a samurai Voltron uh, moment where they all Voltron themselves into a black Sean King. I screamed, I scrumped, I scrammed, I yelled. Black Sean King took me out. <laughs> Voltron took me out because I'm trying to figure out how they put themselves together to then become Sean King. I need to know. Oh my God. I need a moment. Hold on. I'm he, sorry. Ca- he caught a stray I- out of nowhere, just nowhere. I had screamed the biggest scrumped I've ever screamed. Like, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> oh my. Have you seen the real, like the Star Wars reel of all of the different names that Sean King has <laughs> oh, <laughs> within the I, black community? Yeah. Talcum X kills me every Talcum- time. <laughs> oh my God. I need the Malcolm X games and now I need the Talcum X games. No. Please, I am giving Abbott Elementary free content. Please, I beg you, make it happen, Quinta. Um, Gia, would you like to educate our listeners on who Sean King is? Do you want to do oh, that? Oh, God. Where? Hold on. I need my phone real quick. Like, I need, to find, <laughs> I need to find the... I shared it. I need to find the video with all of his different nicknames. But it's, like, right here. Hold on. Yeah. You go get okay, that. So, and it, cause, okay, cause, I got uh, it. Because we have it. to talk about so, Martin Luther Cream real quick. Okay. So Sean King is uh, someone that gained a lot of prominence as the Black Lives Matter movement in particular gained notoriety. He is a pastor somewhere and he has made a profit off of a lot of these civil rights issues and made a platform for himself, often by posting videos of very traumatic scenes, what some of us would call trauma porn, like, and to the point where it's very exploitive and has been involved in some numerous uh, scandals related to how the funds that he, that uh, he accumulates through fundraisers and asking his followers for money and how that is actually being spent um the whether his race in particular is often called into question um mostly because he will not actually like confirm any of his ancestry and so we're not like completely really sure about you know what he does in particular so i i am not a fan of sean king but i am a fan of sean king's uh nicknames throughout you know throughout uh the years uh black twitter is such a creative field like let me tell you like uh, i never need new material in my life i can just go to twitter um some of the names that we get for sean king include um one of my personal favorites scamuel l jackson (laughs) sorry (laughs) 
I don't think I've ever heard that one. You oh my god, it's me. great. It's it's fabulous. Um, what's another one? Uh, Talcum X was one that you mm-hmm. all have heard of. Let me see if I can find the other ones. Ugh. It's where it's honestly worth me scrolling. So I'm just gonna narrate like my me scroll. Did I really post it that it it's coming? It's coming, guys. No, no. Um, I remember uh, Tupac Sugar um, <laughs> instead of Shakur. Yes. <laughs> um, I believe Shaka Khan was another one. Um, Chaka Khan. <laughs> Chaka Khan. Yeah. I was like, White oh, knee Houston. Not white knee. <laughs> not white knee Houston. What about Snow J Simpson? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god! Ooh. And then he's gonna uh, get us canceled. He's gonna get us taken no, off the no. Air. This is yeah. worth it. This is worth it. This is worth the research. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're educating the youth, and I think mm-hmm. and maybe not even the youth we are just educating the masses like we have that impact and like this is this is culture oh my god wait okay i found it uh martin luther cream martin yes. luther cream luther Thur- yes wait this might be my new favorite thurgood partial <laughs> <laughs> wait crooker did you did you ever washington. see yeah i was like did you ever see crooker t washington <laughs> cream oh, abdul jabbar yes um oh okay is- so to to sum it up he's light-skinned and he is an activist and i put all that in quotation marks because what? we don't know yeah. if he's either of those things one more pale revere i'm done yep there you go there, there you go. go there we go <laughs> so uh with that yeah we've covered uh most of the episode i mean there was a couple little other things we did get another janine and gregory uh moment i do want to kind of track it I, i've decided it's kind of my thing now um because they meet in the hallway gregory's just kind of hanging out just like hey just wanted to say hi and i'm thinking y'all don't have any time to just be sitting out here flirting question mark uh gee oh, it's getting closer i he, feel it coming he just stopped by her classroom to say hi like that was it just like did a little little knock a little little flirty mm-hmm. tap i'm gonna i'm saying it's flirting this the the water ice i wasn't really flirting to me personally you know like getting someone a free sample like if you got someone a free sample at like costco or something is that flirting to you Chappelle? No, not a free no. sample. That's just no, like no, no. It's, it's for all of us. Yeah, I just exactly. handed it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then just like the little the little knock on the door and being like Janine just she kind of lights up. Does she light up to you? I think she lights up a little bit. Yeah, it and the chemistry is palpable. I can see Yes. It. We can see it slowly coming to like fruition. Or, oh yeah, yes, it's coming. Yes, yeah, it's coming. And he's just like, "Oh, I'm just I'm just here to say hi." And so we know that they are really developing a strong friendship and they're probably like particularly getting very close. They're very similar in age and you know, it's natural for people to gravitate towards your colleagues that have similar backgrounds, similar uh age ranges, uh very similar demeanors, but it just feels very special. And it's nice to see that they are really forming a strong friendship that I think everyone is expecting for them to eventually get together to be the end game relationship. But it's not just, you know, like it's more of a matter of when, when are we going to have people start admitting feelings uh, to one another? Who is going to admit feelings first? Ooh, uh, probably Gregory. I think he's going to have to like let his wall down and, you know, kind of loosen up and just go there with her. Yeah, I think Gregory is going to admit it to us first. Mm. And 
Janine is not going to know what to do when she finds out. I think that's the pathway we're gro- we're going to. And like, obviously they're going to end up together, but we're, we're, we're getting towards at least people acknowledging feelings so far. Cause it seems like at least a few people do recognize it on their own. Mr. Johnson definitely knows what's happening because he's the smartest person there. And we, I saw that stakeout episode. Okay. Like we know he knows that we know that he knows. Yeah, Mr. Johnson doesn't have women problems. He already said that's not something he has to deal with. He don't have to deal with anybody slashing his car his uh, car tires anymore. He's yeah. good. But yeah, the energy between the two of them, uh, Gregory and Janine, it's just, it's right. It's so cute. You know, it's like we're rooting for it already. Uh, and I know uh, people have been comparing them. I have even compared them to Jim and Pam as well. Um, but mm-hmm. Rob Sesternino has once said that Jim and Pam separately are the most, like, are like, are fine, but together they are so boring. There's no conflict between them throughout the entire, like they get in like one fight in all the seasons of the office. But I think Gregory and Janine are infinitely more entertaining separately than Jim and Pam. Mm-hmm. I think that both of them can stand alone. They don't need to be in a relationship with each other to have a storyline. And if yeah. they do get in a, in a relationship, it's going to be entertaining. I don't think that Jim and Pam as a couple was that entertaining. So I'm desperate to see what happens with this uh, pair that we have here on Abbott um, because I just think the sky's the limit with this too. Yeah. And let's be honest about Jim and Pan for a second. Like obviously they both have like their sense of humor. They have their, they have their sticks. They have the things that made us really like them. Uh, and then the thing they have in common, they both like each other and they don't really like their jobs. They have other aspirations outside of Dunder Mifflin. And that makes sense for the, the vibe we were getting from, the office is that there are a lot of people there just trying to make it through the day and are entertaining along the way. Whereas with Abbott Elementary, they they have their own storylines. They have their own very specific goals. They have uh, upbeat personalities versus more of the calmer personalities that we saw with Jim and Pam. And I think that if they do get together, there will be those entertaining conflicts, like not unhealthy, but just those minor differences in them that will definitely evolve as they get together. And they, like I said, last episode, they both really care about their jobs. Like Abbott elementary doesn't work. If the main characters don't care about what they are doing, even Ava and Mr. Johnson, like two people that you would assume just really don't care, have their moments of showing like, yeah, no, they are, they are there to, do the best that they can, even if maybe the best is a little unconventional. Right. I I agree with you 100%. But Gia, that brings us to the end of our third episode, our second podcast. Yeah, it's it's gone too soon, gone too soon. So we will be back in two weeks with the next two episodes. But until then, Gia, can you tell everyone where to find you and what you've been working on since we last talked? Yes, yes. So... As always, you can follow me on Twitter for all my reality TV shenanigans at Classically Gia. The Survivor Diversity campaign is alive and well as we are heading into Survivor 43. So uh, if you are, are a Survivor fan on Twitter, make sure you give the Survivor Diversity campaign a follow at Serve Diversity. That's at S-U-R-V Diversity. On Silent Podcasts, I am making... Uh, I am doing the Survivor 43 recaps with my podcast. I don't know about that. Super excited to see how this season goes. I'm very excited about the guests that I will have throughout the season. Some new members, some people that I've had on before. Chappelle, we're going to have to get you on there at some point. 
And speaking of other podcasts that we need to get Chappelle on, my sister and I are also recapping Claim to Fame season one. I know everything that happens, but my sister is unspoiled on everything. So we are going episode by episode to recap a spoiler-free podcast and see where what my sister is guessing as we go along the way. So it's been a really fun Right now we're at episode three and we have several more episodes to go and it's just been a treat. And then finally, I am doing recaps for Survivor 43 on Inside Survivor with our good friend, Christine Palin, the Sienawatu queen. And it has been a lot of fun. Uh, We have a really crazy couple of episodes uh trying to recap a 90 minute episode can be very difficult but we managed to do it so take a look at inside survivor and see us document all of this unhinged behavior i think that's everything i'm gonna say that's everything and where can the people follow you i said on twitter at classically gia gotcha just making sure we made we got to get you more uh like more clout because listen y'all Last week, Spotify decided to highlight this podcast yes, and gave me a nice minute. shout out on Twitter, but completely disregarded my amazing co-host. What's up with that? I know. Uh, Spotify owes me a handwritten apology and $1,000. Yeah. And hopefully a Pop-Tart sponsorship. We just kind of need I to get more stuff. I would honestly love a Pop-Tart sponsorship. Like, I I would just love to have that as a random fact in my bio that I have been sponsored by Pop-Tarts. So if anyone working with Pop-Tarts, if, like, the president of Pop-Tarts is listening on the podcast, which I assume they are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, give us a call. Give us a, give us a little DM, please. Exactly. And uh, as for me, I'm still doing nothing but Netflix with Rob Sester. You know, on Rob has a podcast. So you can check that out. This last week, we talked about the Munsters. And I think this week we're, com- we're t- coming up, we're talking about the Redeem team. I'm trying to um, convince or scam Wendell Holland into being our guest, but we'll see what happens. Do it. Yeah, I, w- I'm, I might have to bribe someone. I don't know, uh, pull a Nava or something, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm doing that. Uh, of course, Sasha and I are still talking about uh, Never Have I Ever on Silent Podcast. So you can just follow us on Never Have I Ever by Silent Podcast to keep up with that content. Uh, and then I'm still talking about The Walking Dead on Post Show Recaps. And so uh, myself, Jessica Lee's, uh, AJ Mask and Josh Wiggler are still talking about the final season of The Walking Dead. Um, but that's pretty much what I'm working on right now. I'm sure there'll be other stuff and I'll keep y'all um, posted as I figure that stuff out. So follow me on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore show because Spotify said this is the place to go for your Abbott Elementary uh, coverage. They tweeted it out. So it must be true. So follow us, follow Gia, follow me, follow at Post Show Recaps and keep up with all the things we have going on. Until next time, we will see you later. Bye.